Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Jealous. There's reason to be. That's, it was it was fun watching that game. It was fun watching that game. Yeah. You no, know, I'm jealous because if, you know, you just look back sometimes, and I appreciate all the quarterbacks that I ever had, Vinny Testaverde, Brad Johnson, those guys. But it's like, but. man, if I could have. <laughs> no, it's not a but. It's That's just, what I said to you when a, I walked in the green room just, this morning. It's just like if you could have that guy for – an extended part of your career, or if I could have had Vinny Testaverde for an extended part of my career, opposed to one year or two years, you know, it could have been a long time, like a Tyreek Hill. It's like, man, the magic that you could have done. Zubin, you would have loved this. So this morning I walk in, Key and I walking in together, we go into the green room. I said, Key, can you imagine if you had a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes? And he was like, but I was still a beast, though, Jay Will. And I was like, you were a beast. Well, I still put in work. You were still, but I love how he responds to that. I was still a beast. I'm like, you were still a beast. But imagine what kind of beast you would have been if you had somebody like that. No doubt about it. You think about it from the standpoint of Key said it could be a minute before anybody challenges the Chiefs. He said that in our first hour. You may have just heard it uh, over the course of 60 minutes at this point. Nobody has been able to do it. Welcome back to Keyshawn J. Will Zubin. We're coming to you live from you are above a beast, the Heineken Key. River Deck at Pier 17. This is our show, not just us three. I'm talking about everybody in the community listening so we wanted to essentially pose the question look there's only one person walking around on planet earth that's got an mvp and a super bowl before the age of 25 and that person is patrick mahomes who just turned 25 earlier in the month so we asked Keyshawn j will and zubin nation on twitter if we're taking this guy for granted with everything he's already done instead of marveling at every single performance are we just now expecting it 65 percent of you have said yup Yep. We're taking him for granted. Facts. <laughs> we are taking him for granted. Here's a couple of guys that have individually weighed in. And then, obviously, I think I know where Jay's going to go on this particular discussion. At CDE underscore 48. Thanks for hitting us up on the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin Twitter feed. That's at at Z. He essentially says, quote, I think we're also taking Andy Reid for mm. granted, which is something Jay has also said because he obviously does have a ton to work with and obviously validated with that Super Bowl Last year. All right, Jay, so here we are. Uh, this is my reason that I think we're taking it for granted. I agree with you and CDE underscore 48. Bottom line, things happen. Weird bounces occur. The Chiefs spent 50 years between Super Bowls, and now they're easily looking for two in as many. Once again, all of those tweets coming to us on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. So think about it. 50 years between championships, Super Bowl four and 54, and now the odds-on runaway favorite, and I know the Seahawks are playing well, Russell the Packers Wilson, are yep. there, got it, got it all. But this is the guy, and this is the reason it could be two and two. I totally agree, taking him for granted. I, I was angry today coming in. I was like, how come we haven't been talking about Patrick Mahomes as MVP? Like, and I, I know Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind, but like, you know, especially around these hallways of ESPN, all I've heard over three weeks has been Russell Wilson, deservingly so. He's been playing out of his mind. Out of his mind. Understood. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, great. Playing out of his mind. You know, Aaron Jones and company, Devontae Adams didn't play last week. Still had a pretty big game. Okay, Josh Allen, Buffalo, great. But I haven't heard anybody say Patrick Mahomes. And last night, I'm sitting there watching the game saying, oh, we've definitely taken this guy for granted. Now, I know you can sit here and say, well, look at all the weapons he has. And, you know, look who Aaron Rodgers is doing it with. Look who Russell Wilson is doing it with. You know, other than probably DK Metcalf and maybe a couple others, not a lot of people know a lot of players on that team. And people probably know Tyreek Hill. They probably know Travis Kelsey a lot. You know, they're learning about Clyde Edwards Elaire. Um, but I haven't heard his name mentioned with the same kind of oomph 
that I've heard these other guys' names mentioned over the past three weeks. And I'm sitting there saying, this guy is like watching a video game. His name should always be at the top of the conversation. I don't care how many weapons he has. It's the same way with Golden State Warriors. Like, hey, well, they have Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry. I don't care how many weapons they have. Their names should always be at the top of the list in the MVP conversation. Well, you're only talking about week three, right? And on top of talking about week three, Patrick Mahomes didn't play till last night. So when you look at Russell Wilson's first three weeks. So recency 14, bias is what you're 14, trying to tell me. 14 touchdowns in the first three weeks. Beat the Dallas Cowboys on national television, which was supposed to be like this. Oh, Dallas is coming in. It's a big thing. Take care of the New England Patriots. He's dealing in, in, in right before your eyes. Where Patrick Mahomes' big night was last night. Right. Against a matchup that was supposed to be, you know, head-to-head and Lamar Jackson's playing against Patrick Mahomes, and these are the two best quarterbacks over the next 10 years in the National Football League. They're taking over the Brady-Manning rivalry. That So all that drummed up, and Pat Mahomes comes out, and he takes care of business, four in the air, one on the ground. And, and so when you look at that, you go now, okay, he's in the conversation now. He's in the conversation now. But it took last night to get him in the conversation. He was never not really in the conversation, but it was one of the things where it was like, Russell's been in your face, Aaron Rodgers has been in your face because the narrative was set for Aaron Rodgers to not have any receivers. That was the big deal. Then he goes out, and he has the receivers all looking like pro bowlers now. So it's like, wow. But wait, but wait, wait, Key, I understand what you're saying. But I'm telling you, this is how people have processed the information over the last couple weeks. But at the beginning of the the year, we were talking, beginning of the season, we were talking about this being one of the greatest dynasties, potentially. We were were having conversations about, wait, 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 whether they were going to be a dynasty or not. Now, regardless of whether you disagree or agree, that was a huge conversation. So we just lose track of that? Yes. Because now we're in a vacuum. Yes, that is correct. Well, that's wrong. Just because it happens doesn't make it right. I didn't say anything was wrong or anything (laughs) was right. I'm just telling you. The eyes of the people and the ears of the people went to the first couple of weeks. It's Russell Wilson. It's Aaron Rodgers, right? The first week, Patrick Mahomes didn't play great. He didn't play bad. He just was there, right? The second week, they struggled to beat the Chargers and get out of – What did did he do the first week, Zubin? What did he do the first week? Can you find out out what – No, he he, he didn't play great. He played okay. He didn't play bad. He didn't play great. It was like, oh, okay, Patrick Mahomes, they won. Okay, that's what we expect for him. Then against the Chargers – they go out there. It takes Justin Herbert's interception in an overtime Understood. to win that football game, right? Okay. So well, then you look at it. It took now, Russell Wilson a deep throw at the end to beat the Dallas Cowboys, but too. Okay. But it didn't matter because the eyes told you something different as you watched against a marquee matchup in Cam Newton. It took Cam Newton to not get in for Seattle to win that football game. It took uh, uh, Dallas to be Dallas for him to win that football hmm. game, right? And yep. so when you look at it last night, Monday Night Football, again, the narrative is set. There's a key matchup. He's the former MVP of two years ago. He's a Super Bowl winner. Wow. Now, all of a sudden, he comes out there. He throws a little show pay, doing his deal, running touchdown. Now, you're looking at you like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. Had he gone out there and threw for two touchdowns and 250 yards, we'd have been like, oh, okay, he, he did cool. But he, he did it on national TV on a Monday night against a guy who's supposed to be his rival, that's now all of a sudden he's in the conversation. Every show from here on out, starting with us this morning, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes being equal or above Russell Wilson for MVP. I think they're right there. I mean, I, I would still have Russell with the lead right now, Aaron Rodgers, but he's in that conversation. 
to your point, week one, Mahomes, to Key's point, I would I would agree. Pretty good. 24 for 32, 211, three touchdowns. Okay. So that was All his right. week one numbers. Right. One quick thing I would add. The one People guy, would say that's pedestrian for When's him? the last time this dude threw an interception? That's a good question. <laughs> that, that when's the last better. time he threw an interception? Hey, we got a break. Calm All right, down. let's go, Zuman. I would just quickly say that we're taking Mahomes for granted. The guy we really shouldn't take for granted is their general manager, Brett Veach. He's 42 mm. years old. He somehow signed Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Travis Kelsey all this offseason, mm-hmm. all to monster deals relative to their position. And with the salary cap only probably going up outside of next year, where it'll probably go down because of coronavirus-related lack of attendance, all that. It's amazing to be able to keep those guys. Remember, Mahomes is locked into the 2031 season at this point. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. More NFL talk on the Shell Pennzoil performance line with Jeff Saturday at 7.15 and we will dig in with him. Is Mahomes and Jackson what we saw last night? The new Brady and Manning Mm-mm. with one Jay's already answered Mm-mm. it. With one big similarity that might change Jay's mind. We'll tell you about that. If- Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Soundtrack is back. Jay's back in the house this morning. The fingers are snapping from A to Z with a little NFL coming in just one minute. From A to Z brought to you by Redbox. New at Redbox Antebellum starting Janelle Monet. Stream this theatrical home release today and visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. We're done watching hockey. And if you're a Lightning fan, you love the way it ended. Braden Point, key closet Lightning fan. We all know that. Braden Point, Blake Coleman (laughs) scoring. Tampa Bay over Dallas 2-0 in Game 6 to secure their first Stanley Cup title since 2004. Victor Hedman won the Conn Smythe. That's given to the Stanley Cup MVP. Congratulations to the Lightning. They win in the double bubble. They played in Toronto and Edmonton. Did all the teams that made the playoffs and this is so 2020, Tampa Bay over Dallas in Edmonton to win the Stanley Cup. It's been that kind of year. Serena Williams has reached the second round of the French Open. She's the sixth seed in this tournament. She's chasing her 24th major singles championship to try and tie the great Margaret Court. She was down in both sets but rallied to win 
There's a lot of drama. I know people are not talking about this. There's a lot of drama going on at the French Open because of the weather. A lot of people are saying it is way too cool to play. Most of the matches, if you're watching us on ESPN News, Serena's in the long sleeves. Many of the matches being played at about 55 degrees Mm. out there in Paris. And last thing for you here on A to Z, something we've discussed earlier and something we'll discuss with the NBA's best insider coming up at the bottom of the hour, and that is the exit or the mutual parting of ways, we all know what that means, with the Clippers and Doc Rivers. He was the most successful coach in Clippers history, which for the most part of their history didn't mean anything. But take a look at Doc's numbers, man. Seven years on the job, six playoffs, a championship pedigree. Jay is on board thinking Clippers assistant Ty Lue is the best fit. We'll get Woj to take us inside the process coming up here in about 12 minutes from now. There's a lot of young, great quarterbacks in this league. You know, every single week you're going to get a great challenge. Uh, the whole Reds watching you trying to put on the show. Mahomes underneath shovel to Anthony Sherman, the fullback, looking for Tyreek Hill, and he brings it down for the touchdown. Mahomes gets some pressure. He's got Hardman wide open. Touchdown, Chiefs. Jackson to throw for it. Back of the end zone. It is caught. And here we go. Mahomes trying to set it up. Ooh. Big fella, Eric Fisher. The Chiefs are having themselves a party. And Lamar Jackson will have to continue to deal with the comparison to Patrick Mahomes. Right now, a comparison that nobody wants to have because of the lights out way Mahomes is playing. Lamar has been great. You heard Steve Levy there on ESPN's Monday Night Football. It was a party and a party crashing scene for the Kansas City Chiefs. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including Jeff Saturday, join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Brought to you by Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Jeff, good morning. It's great to have you with us here on the show. And I guess the first thing we got to ask is, because you spent so much time as Peyton Manning Center and you were a part of so many great Brady Manning rivalry games. I know it's early, but is Mahomes and Lamar in any way maybe tracking towards some of those great duels you had with TB12 and Peyton Manning together? Yeah, honestly, it actually mimics it pretty well. I mean, when, when uh, you know Brady Brady stepped in for Bledsoe after the injury, that was his first start against the Colts. They ended up putting it on us pretty good. But it took us a while. The Patriots beat us up pretty good for the first, I don't know, five, four or five times uh, that we played them. And, and it was always about Brady and Manning. It never was about the team, which is kind of the way that everybody, you know, they frame games. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it is. It's very similar to how this thing started. I, I will say last night, uh, you know, Jackson played poorly. That team played poorly. Mahomes obviously played lights out. But it is very similar, especially the build-up and the excitement, because both guys are electric, and you want to watch them. You want to turn them on. No different from Brady and and uh, and Manning, although Brady was kind of under the radar uh, until that first Super Bowl, because he, he was coming in for Bledsoe. So a little different as far as a build-up. But man, those guys, uh, it's, it's fun to watch those two young quarterbacks develop and mature. Hey, Jeff, I just want to remind you, four in the regular season, Two of the postseason. That number would be six. Hey, look, how did you guys get over, finally get over the hump <laughs> in terms of getting out and winning against Brady and company? You know, that's a great question. I'll tell you this. I remember uh, the, the mentality of our team changing and us, and us wanting to go play more physical. I think for so many times we, we, were, gonna, we were kind of playing uh, a finesse game. We were trying to get the ball outside the edges. Uh, when we started finally kind of going in between tackles, playing more of a physical style game, getting downhill and then opening up with play action, our, our numbers trended in a positive way and it allowed Manning to kind of stretch the field. But, it, but at the end of the day, 
like you said, I, I appreciate you letting me know about the six. That, that thanks for assaulting the wound. But at the end of the day, we did get better. We did catch them, and then it kind of it kind of flipped our way, and things started going more our way than their way. Jeff Aaron Rodgers has been on fire to start this season. Is this the best we've ever seen him? Man, the other night was the best I've ever seen him. I mean, against the Saints was, I mean, it was just insane how well he played. And, 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 and you could tell how comfortable he was in the game plan. I mean, there was no press, and which is crazy when you think his best receiver wasn't even suited up and you just saw the comfort in what they're doing. I, I, hats off to him because he's definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder. But the other night, he won't say that. I don't think you could play better as a quarterback than he did against the Saints. I mean, he's saw the field. He placed the ball where it needed to be placed. He bought time. And and you know what's crazy about it is when you watch the way that he played, his feet weren't set. He was kind of drifting. And it was almost like he was playing backyard football, right? The little flicks, the little dinks and dunks, all those things. And the ball's got such zip on it. And it was so accurate. It was really an insane game to watch. I, I enjoyed it because of Adams not being able to play and him just finding new receivers and making everybody else household names as he continues to develop this uh, Packers offense. Jeff, let's talk about another quarterback. Russell Wilson is playing at a different level right now. What's the big difference to you? Patience. You know, if you watch that Cowboys game, You saw a guy who, you know, the Cowboys were trying to throw everything at him, right? They were trying to bring four, you know, just rush four. Then they were trying to blitz him. Then they were trying to rush three and drive. They were trying to do all kinds of different things to him. And you just felt... He, the, the calmness and the poise that he had in the pocket. The very last touchdown, you'll see he feels the pressure. He kind of dips those shoulders, and then he buys times, drift backwards, and then throws a dime for the touchdown. That patience, that 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 trust in the rest of his guys that they're going to make plays for him is, is really uncanny right now. And, and and you know, I heard before, and, and Jay Will was talking about Mahomes in the MVP conversation. The reason I have Russell Wilson at the top of the MVP conversation is because of the defenses he's done it against, right? With him doing it against the Patriots, the way that he played, the way that he's continuing to play it is, is special, right? And again, that patience that you see him feel, that calmness that he's bringing to his football team, because his defense isn't helping him at all. I mean, let's be real. I know They will get there. Pete Carroll does a great job as the season progresses, very similar to the Patriots, but right now that defense ain't helping at all. And so as you're looking at him, he's putting this team on the shoulders, making the plays he needs to make, but it's all about poise and patience for Russell Wilson right right now and he is playing at a special level there's no doubt about it he has an opportunity to continue filling up the stat sheet stuffing it because this week Seattle will be at Miami and with the way both of those two teams have looked early this season could be (laughs) further further proof that this guy is indeed the MVP Jeff thanks for joining us here this morning thanks a lot Jeff thanks Jeff Appreciate it, fellas. Take down that Tar Heel helmet, man. Come on, man. Every time, Jeff. Every time. (laughs) Stop hating. I know. I can't help it. (laughs) Jay and Jeff sitting more than eight miles apart. It ain't tobacco road, but that rivalry never indeed ends. Key, you're an offensive skill position player. You think about it. I mean, I hear all the cliches about defense winning championships and just getting stops when you need to. But when you see Lamar Jackson most of the time, and when you see Patrick Mahomes all the time, and you see Aaron Rodgers all the time, and you see... Russell Wilson doing what he's doing. Is it just fair to say right now it is an offensive league, not just in the regular season, but that could be the determining factor in the postseason as well when so many people have said, you got to get some stops. We, we say it every single year. This is not new. So why are we acting surprised about what 
wins championships in the end, right? They say, well, no, no, that's not true. Look what happened last year with Kansas City. It wasn't a 55-54 game. It wasn't a shootout. They hit a few plays offensively. They won where the 49ers missed on a few plays. But the defenses are going to win come the postseason, especially when late postseason and into the Super Bowl. Those defenses are going to win or lose games. When Atlanta surrendered that league, it wasn't because the offense. It was because the defense gave up the cookies. The 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. The 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots. That was the defense that gave up that. If the defense played like they played in the first half – Atlanta and Dan Quinn gets an extension, and he's there for the next 10 years. Instead. Instead, he, <laughs> he may be here at Zubini Keyshot and Jay Wynn. ESPN NFL analyst. It's just saying, but it, it's, it's, it's a regular season situation. Every now and then you get these type of quarterbacks like an Aaron Rodgers who can take that game from Green Bay and moving around and anywhere in the country because it's Green Bay, the weather changes, you don't have to rely heavy on the running game because he's used to doing it a certain way. Well, it's Kansas City. Those type of teams that are in that type of environment, that their style of play can go anywhere and play. Where you have other teams that are not in that environment that could struggle come the postseason and rely heavily on their defense to get them out of it. Key, I wanted to go back and revisit something about people talking about the Ravens versus the Chiefs as a rivalry. And I wanted to issue a public apology to all of our listeners uh, because we are doing this. We're doing them a disservice. This is a media manufactured rivalry. Two exciting quarterbacks. Let's get hyped up about it. Let's watch Monday Night Football. I understand it. I understand how we do that in media. We need things to talk about. We're going to lead it up. This hasn't been a rivalry. You have to win. The Ravens have well, to win games in order for it to be a rivalry. It, well, part look, of it, though, Jay, oh, Will, oh, oh, is all that oh, other stuff. I know, but Mahomes is 3-0 and versus this team in Jackson. And I'll give you this stat. So since Jackson became a starter, Mahomes is 93 for 132 for 1,136 passing yards, nine scores, and one interception. One. You found a pick. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize there was one. Well, he means against, <laughs> he means against Baltimore. Is against, what you against, against, against Jackson. Against, right. against Baltimore. But it, it is. hasn't been a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. It, it, None of the really, games have been close. No, it is because you you don't you have to win everything... games in order for it to be a rivalry. But, but it's it has to start somewhere, Jay. Will yeah, and but I'm, you build but we, it That's up. what I'm saying, Okey. We're making it start there. You got to. Otherwise, but, it's going to be boring. This is not Jacksonville in Kansas City. It this feels like it the when young, they play. The scores seem similar. This is two of the young, bright, up and coming. Well, Patrick Mahomes is already there, but. Both of them are young. Uh, they both play a position that the NFL is marketing. I mean, it's the quarterback spot. It's that's just we have to do that. I know part of it. I, I, I hear that you say we have to do that, but don't we deserve to be real about it too? We are real about it. Because, so so because if we're being real about it, it's it's not a rivalry. They've right? seen each other. They've seen each other in postseason. They've seen each other in regular season. And what's happened the every same single time? Thing, the same thing that me and Jeff Saturday just joked about. New England was dominating Indianapolis for six straight games. Four in the regular, two in the post. Eventually, the tide turned. But the, along, along the way, it was Manning versus Brady, Manning versus Brady, I don't, Dungy versus Belichick. I mean, that's what it was. And you're going to, whether it's manufactured or not, that's what it's going to be until such due time that we look at it and go, yeah, it's not even it's it's not even close. It's not even, you know, 9 to 0 or something like that. But as long as it's this 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0, 8-0, 9-0, 
with the four to one, they see each other in the playoff every single year. It's going to be that way. That's cool. I'm and just, then they're going to add I'm the Sean Watson in the mix with one of them in a minute, too. I'm just asking the Ravens to get one. I would get one. I first. would concur. Major League Baseball and the NHL is selling concur the teams. I would agree with you oh, that it's all you. about the stars. Major League Baseball and the NHL is selling teams. Mm. The NBA and the NFL, even the NFL, is now selling individual stars. Yeah, the Cowboys will rate. Millions will watch when they play anybody. But even the NFL is determining it has to be about superstars. That's fine. Doesn't make it a rivalry just because we're selling stars. But I think if they Did do, you ever beat North Carolina? Yes. Did it, they ever it, beat you? It wasn't a rivalry. We were actually nine to one. We beat them it nine. It is a rivalry. Well, I beat them nine times. It I is. lost one. That was not a it rivalry. It is a rivalry. No, our rivalry was Maryland. Because if it wasn't, fine. you wouldn't be complaining about the helmet. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. If you're young enough, you got to remember Maryland was once in the ACC. So that's uh, for the youngins that are like, wait a minute, it wasn't Maryland in the Big Ten. We got the NBA's best insider on what's going on with the Clippers and mm. their head coaching search. That's in one minute. But it wasn't enough for Doc Rivers. Is Ty Lue next? You just heard some voices there, including Jay, who has been promoting that all morning long. This is obviously a super attractive job. There were many, many years and decades where the Clippers' job was not seen as one of the best in the league. But things have changed. Let's head right to the Shell Pennzoil performance line and welcome in Woj, the NBA's best insider, hands down, and of course, host of the Woj podcast. Adrian, good morning. Can you just sort of take us inside everything that happened that led to the removal of Doc Rivers as the Clippers head coach? Uh, well, Zubin, once, once the Clippers lost that 3-1 lead to Denver, in the conference semifinals, and uh, the second time in Steve Ballmer's tenure as owner uh, with Doc Rivers as his coach that that had happened, uh, Doc was very much on the clock. There were a lot of conversations within the organization over the last, you know, week and a half plus uh, before Ballmer uh, informed Doc of uh, his decision yesterday, and they looked at you know, a lot of changes that may still come down the road. They can't make personnel changes at this time. I think the roster, you know, potentially there's going to be tweaks to it. But uh, I think ultimately Doc was not going to be able to survive with Steve Ballmer uh, losing, uh, losing that series in the manner that they did. Um, this is a win-now team. The expectations were immense this season. Uh, and to not even reach the conference finals – uh, against the Lakers, uh, who for the last year and a half, two years, the Clippers and, and Lakers have been going kind of back and forth uh, in terms of putting their teams together, competing with each other, competing for a lot of the same free agents and uh, trade targets. Uh, you know, ironically, even when the Lakers job was open a couple of years ago, you know, I think Magic Johnson maybe had some interest in Doc Rivers. But at this point for Steve Ballmer, um, he just was not going to run this back uh, without some dramatic change, and that started with Doc Rivers yesterday. Woj, what are some potential landing sites for Doc Rivers? Obviously, a lot of teams looking for a head coach. Where do you think the best fit is for him? Yeah, I, I, I communicated a bit with Doc late last night, and he certainly uh, you know, wants to coach again. Now, whether it's going to be with one of these openings now, Philadelphia, New Orleans, you know, are a couple of the jobs uh, that are open. That might on the surface make sense. Houston, another one, a team that's uh, had some recent playoff success. Um, but I think for Doc Rivers, he can be uh, patient. He doesn't have to jump at one of these jobs. Um, and I think for him, he'll, he'll be in great demand, uh, whether it's with the group of teams out there now or waiting to see what may come open 
down the road. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, Philadelphia has gotten pretty far down the road in their process. Ty Lue uh, is going to be in there to interview today, I'm told. You know, they've interviewed Mike D'Antoni, and that job is really uh, largely down to those two. But certainly uh, Phil, the Sixers took note of the fact yesterday that Doc Rivers is now available. Um, but I, I think for him, uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. Uh, he doesn't have to jump at any of these, though. Well, can I ask you this? What, what, if at all, conversations did Kawhi have with Steve Ballmer, Jerry West, Franks to talk about the next head coach or removal of Doc Rivers? I don't know the nature of their conversations, Keyshawn. I don't think you make a decision of this magnitude in the league with players like uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, certainly without at least getting their input on the season, where they thought things were. But, but, but I would tell you, ultimately, this was Steve Ballmer. Uh, he made this decision. Owners can listen to players all they want. Players can have opinions. But in the end, it's on the owner when a decision is made. Uh, I, I think it was made largely at the ownership level. And, you know, again, listen, they could potentially lose both players in free agency after next year. But, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, the Clippers certainly moved heaven and earth to get both of them there. They're both Southern California natives. It's hard to imagine that there's another destination that either or both of them, you know, would want to move on to. But but in this NBA, you you certainly never know. But I think, you know, for Steve Ballmer, um, he just wasn't going to just run it back uh, with the same group. Uh, I think you'll see some of the pieces around Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I think you'll see some tweaks to those two. Can I ask you this question? Much like in the NFL, when there's a vacancy and there's a rich owner that really wants to win badly, they will do anything to poach a head coach. Is there anybody on anybody's bench that's out there that you think Steve Ballmer would go and give a handsome ransom to grab? I think there's a couple of those coaches I just don't think they'd be available. I mean, to do that, you'd certainly have to have an organization that would be willing to part with them. And hey, that's how the Clippers got Doc Rivers over seven years ago. You know, they cut a deal with Boston, gave them a draft pick to do it. Boston was also headed toward a rebuild. Uh, Doc Rivers uh, was ready to move on from that. Uh, Obviously, the Celtics brought in Brad Stevens. But I think largely for this coaching search, I think it starts right down the bench, right next to Doc Rivers, and that's Ty Lue. I think he's going to get a significant look for this job. He really impressed people. He had relationships in that organization. You know, Lawrence Frank, uh, their president, Mike Winger, the GM, you know, G- uh, Jerry West, who's a consultant, uh, has always been a big Ty Lue advocate. Uh, but I think uh, Lue's championship pedigree, winning a title in Cleveland, going to the finals multiple times, uh, and I think um, I don't know that the job is his, but I think he's at the front of the line right now. He's going to have a great opportunity, and he's got some other options. Philadelphia, New Orleans, uh, he's in the mix for all of those spots. Mm-hmm. Indeed, all those options just show how coveted he is. Jay has been saying the same thing as Woj has. It feels like it. Ty Lue is in the pole position, and his ability to manage successfully the biggest superstars in the game in Cleveland certainly would get the attention of those two superstars in Los Angeles. Woj, you can always hear him on the Woj podcast, best basketball podcast out there. Love downloading it myself. Woj, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thanks, Woj. 
So there you have it, Jay. He essentially confirming what you essentially have been saying the whole time, that there seems to be just one coach here in the driver's seat for what is now a very coveted position. Look, you, you uh, what is it? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right, yes. Right? Like right. That's, that's Ty Lue. Yep, keep I him mean, close. Exactly. Keep him very close. The fact that he has been around LeBron James, they know how to win. He's won championships with that team. He knows how to manage personalities. I still will then say that you're still missing something, though. And Woj alluded to it. I would not be shocked to see the Clippers try to find some way to get CP3 back in a Clippers uniform. Wow. He is the bona fide pit bull leader that will help them. And Kawhi is a very talented, extremely talented player, one of the best we have in the NBA. But there is not a, t- not a player in that team that has the leadership capabilities like CP3 will bring to that organization. Key's like, man, the Lakers can't get him once, and the Clippers are going to get him. They can twice. have him. They ain't going to go home anyway. Go to break, Z. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Key's real rankings are oh. next. What did the Chiefs do to move themselves up, perhaps, in Key's real rankings? We'll find out if there's a move at all after Jay has this from DraftKings. Just saying, they were three last week. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast. Featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. That music can only mean one thing, Key's Real Rankings, which are always keeping it real by fluctuating. Last week, it was our top six, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now another team has worked his way in. It's like the new playoff format. We're going to have six from each conference. Now we've got seven. It Key- changes every week. He will take us down from seven to one. His top seven teams in the NFL. His real rankings. Bonus down. Number seven, Bills. No one circles the wagons <laughs> like the Buffalo Bills. You know, I put the Bills. Who's the mascot that ate on the Super Bowl? You official like a referee with a whistle. I put the Bills at number seven because when I look at Josh Allen and the way that he played last week, he's continuing to continue to play well for the Bills. Their defense is solid and sound. They took care of business against the Rams. He also struggled at times, but he got back on track late in the fourth quarter to give them the W. I think this is a real football team. I think they are in the top seven in the National Football League, despite what the record looks like. Just with my eyes, I'm watching this team, and I think that they are going to challenge the New England Patriots in the AFC East. Number six. You don't want to face the Steelers. You official like a referee with a whistle. (laughs) Oh. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at number six. The Steelers are getting Big Ben back in the fold, matching him with Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Schuster-Smith, uh, 
Was that his name? No. Smith <laughs> I know. I'm just messing with Juju, who will be on with us later on in the show. When okay. you when you look at what Pittsburgh's been able to do with Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger when he's in the lineup, this is a different football team. They play a certain style that it's just old Pittsburgh, run the football, play defense, methodically move the ball down the field in the air when they need to, and this quarterback staying healthy will get them in a run in the AFC. How deep? I don't know. Number five, Ravens. Not bad for a running back. You official like a referee with a whistle. The Ravens sit at number five. They drop from the number one seed to the number five seed, the fifth seed. And look, when, when I look at this team, the struggling part of it, obviously, is the passing game. Lamar Jackson has to do a better job at throwing the football. I think over time, as the season progresses, he will do that. They can run the football with the best of them. That defense was overmatched against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs last night. This is the reason they dropped from the number one seed to the fifth seed. Doesn't mean they're a bad football team. It just means that they got to get some things together to move back down. Number four, Patriots. Yeah, all games are special division games. They're all important. You official like a referee with a whistle. The New England Patriots, they just keep winning, finding ways to win despite who is underneath at the quarterback spot. You look at what they did in week one. They ran the ball with Cam Newton. They tried different variations of offense against the Seattle Seahawks. In Seattle, came away just short. They ran the ball against the Raiders because they felt that they could. They bullied the Raiders up front. And when you look at that, that is a recipe for success. The defensive side of the ball played a lot better than they did against Russell Wilson. But what did you expect? Bill Belichick's not going to continuously have his defense play poor in the offense stall. Number three, Seahawks. Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. His name, his name's Mister, Mister, Mister Unlimited. You official like a referee with a whistle. Oh my goodness! Th- this fits right, perfect for Seattle, sitting at the number three spot. You know, outside of another team. In the NFC, this is the most dominant team that I've seen in that conference through three weeks of football. Russell Wilson is on record-breaking pace. Obviously, he threw 14 touchdowns in the last three games. He's an MVP candidate, major MVP candidate. Got a little little crowded after last night's game with Patrick Mahomes, but he's still right there in the leader of the pack. They've discovered DK Metcalf is not a sophomore slump. He's playing out of his mind. Lockett is doing a great job. Olsen's doing a good job. So when you look at this team, this team will be somewhere hovering around the NFC Championship game, maybe playing the Green Bay Packers, maybe New Orleans if they can get some things together, maybe the Rams, maybe even the Cowboys. But I can assure you Seattle will be in the NFC Championship game. Number two, Packers. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. You official like a referee with a whistle. He said it, relax. Everybody was all up in arms after the draft in April when they took Jordan Love. They said they needed wide receivers. All he's done, Aaron Rodgers, in these last three games is fine receivers, whether it was Adams, whether it was Czar, whether it's the tight end, whether it was uh, Rodgers, uh, uh, Rodgers out of the backfield, whatever the case may have been, he found people to throw it to. He's got his weapons. Don't worry about him. As he says, just sit back and relax. Number one, Kansas City. Well, yeah, I mean, I joked about it. I'm going to have a double cheeseburger tonight with, with extra cheese. That's exciting. You official like a referee with a whistle. 
that would be Andy Reid having a cheeseburger. <laughs> but you look at the Kansas City Chiefs in week one, they started off as the number one seed. They fell after week two because they struggled against the Chargers in a young rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. But they're back at the number one spot after a wicked showing on Monday Night Football from Patrick Mahomes, four touchdowns through the air, one on the land, and just the, the way that they're playing. They've got a lot of toys to play with on the offensive side of the ball. The defense is playing solid and sound under Spagnola, the defensive coordinator. You just like the way that Patrick Mahomes has handled these this situation since taking over for Alex Smith, winning a Super Bowl, winning an MVP on his way to possibly winning another Super Bowl, put himself in a major conversation last night about the MVP. So when you look at it, Z, that's my top seven. Kansas City back at the number one spot. So next week, could we have a top eight? We've gone top six, top seven. We might drop down. We might go up. I'd make that decision the night before after the Monday night game. Is there just one team that's just on the precipice of breaking through that hasn't? I think there is. I think when you when you look at the, the you know, when you look at it, a lot of teams like Tennessee, you start to say, Okay, I like them a little bit. They went into Minnesota, they won. It's like, okay, could they could they break through? Could they actually break through? Arizona would have broke through, but Arizona did what I thought they would do, lose to Detroit. 